Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello. Hello. What up, everybody? How we doing? Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, the podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Andrea. Damn, we just fucking killed that. <laughs> we sound like some damn and professionals. I, oh no, dang it. I thought you gotta stop. You know we're about to record. You always. Oh, I know. I was gonna say, and I'm here for the booze, but it actually just says more booze, please. Please. My cup. I think I. I think I wore. No, I think I drank out of this last time we recorded. Andrew's been drinking out of plastic cups, so it makes it really hard for us to clinky. Here we go. You've been hey. drinking Bud Light, so that doesn't help either. I doesn't help anybody. Even if I was in a glass, glass. Just put me on blast. That would still not clink. It would clink. No. Anyway, man. Hope y'all are doing good. Uh, yeah. It's damn near Halloween. I think we're like a week away right now. We're getting pretty close. close. Pretty damn close to a week the away from Halloween. The 29th is a week from when we're recording, so yeah. Nice. So hopefully there'll be another episode out by then, but don't, yeah. you know, who fucking knows? This is episode 59. <laughs> I, I got you. I come I come right in when you can't handle it because <laughs> you're so excited. 59 episodes. Yeah. We're almost at 60. Yeah, and that's not counting the, the tons of Oh, yeah, stuff. that's just 59 This is official Reggie boys. Episode. Official Reggie girthy sodes. Yeah. Andrea's got a fucking book over there. I'm intimidated. It's so many papers. I'm not reading every page. I, you know, she I always pull, says I, that, and she reads every damn page. Well, well, you need them for if you don't read them. Well, you need them for. It's just how I organize my information. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, I just saw an article before we started recording that Ozzy Osbourne is blaming all of his health problems that he's had on Robert the Doll. Damn. Well, because he's been doing that show with his kid, and he's like, oh, fucking no. Yeah. I don't even fucking a picture. Karen. They don't encounter the things. They, well, we don't know just... that he hasn't encountered it in his life. True, 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 true. Oh, I bet that's why it came out because of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking but I covered hell. Robert the Doll in, I don't know, one of the episodes. One of the ep- I'm sure you've, you've covered a lot of things in all these episodes. <laughs> oh, my God. More on that later. Yeah. Uh, really quick uh, shout out to Big Hungry 79763 for the review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Appreciate you, bruh. Or whoever you are, appreciate you. We also saw our first three-star review come in Ooh, we're fine i'm fine are you i mean how I'm are you fine they didn't write anything that we know three of stars. those reviews take a minute to come in man we'd yeah. be compulsive we're not compulsively obviously i just feel like three stars means they like they only like half of the podcast which means they really like you or they really like me <laughs> hope it's hope it's hope it's hope it's one of us uh, what else? There was somebody else we wanted to shout out. Yeah, Diane. Uh, she reached out on email. She also gave us our first ever review on yeah. Smashbomb. Thank you so much. Holy shit! It was such shit. an amazing review. Oh my god, that was that was so heartfelt. So much time. Had to give Tom so a much. tissue. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> I was moved. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, she also sent us a story. So hopefully, maybe uh, we'll yeah, talk we'll a little bit more with soon. her. We might we might read it on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, really quickly, we are going to be on the Hillbilly Horror Stories Halloween yes. special, yeah, which I think comes out on Halloween. Yes, we recorded. Uh, that. We recorded that right down to the skin of our teeth <laughs> and sent that shit out. So uh, that should be cool. I'm excited to be. That's our third year doing that shit. Yeah, it's fun. It's just like a comp. It's a bunch of different podcasts that read or well, do different. You know, many, many, many stories of like yeah. how they they usually do their episodes. Yeah. We and talked. we told a very morbid stories. Yeah, we did. We told morbid stories. Yeah. Which we tend to do. About Halloween yes. murders and things. Also, I saw that Tim Burton is going to be doing a 
Oh, damn. Adam's that Family's show. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be sick. I hope it's Nicole Richie as Caramilla. Oh, yeah. That would be so sick. I wonder. That would be that sick would if be there really was some like cool. original cast. Because the dude, original Gomez, dead. Yeah. He died way back in the day when yeah. we were still babies. But it, we, we just recently got into those, man. I, I want them to explain why they're just inertly magic and also evil. And is there two families? Because somebody got married somewhere along the way. I have a lot of questions about the Adams <laughs> family. For real. But, yeah, I don't – has Tim Burton – this is going to be a stupid question probably. Has he done a show? Yeah. I don't know that he's done a show in, like, the modern landscape when, like, it's cool to do shows. You remember, like, back in the day it was like, oh, you're doing a show. But now it's like, oh, yeah. he got a show. It's yeah. going to be sick. It's also, like, back when you never saw, like – famous people like really famous people doing like, shows and like and in like commercials and stuff yeah. now you got like matthew mcconaughey and matthew mcconaughey is in three out of four commercials <laughs> that i see on my targeted marketing because i really want a lincoln and i drink a lot of wild turkey like who's the one chick who does all the uh uh oh, fuck i can't even think jennifer jennifer uh affleck stop it jennifer garner is that it? Nah, no. Fuck if I know. She does all Electra. Those, she did the Electra movie. All those one commercials where it's just like, you didn't think you would see somebody. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And Goldblum does the... Uh, change departments. Change, change the, the world. world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. It's so creepy. Yeah. He doesn't sound like that. Not. He doesn't have a lisp. I don't know why I did that. Oh. Uh, 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 what else? I don't know, man. Not much else has been going on. Went to Target and I got a really cute... Baby Yoda shirt. You did. And a Schitt's Creek shirt. And we got one of those Hunter Killer games. The Hunter yeah, Killer. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what I was I've been hearing all those get. ads on all these podcasts that have ads. This podcast doesn't have ads. No, but. And they talk about, it's like a subscription box and you essentially hunt a killer. Like you're trying to track down yeah, a but killer. This is just a single. Yeah, it's like, like a once adventure. It's like a one shot. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, for like 30 bucks, it's kind of a lot for you not be able to play a game. We'll pass it around. <laughs> we'll pass it around to the homies. The way that we remember things, we'll probably be able to play again in a month. <laughs> uh, that's going to come up again. Again, the hits keep coming. Oh, my word. What else? You got anything else? Um, Did we talk about... Uh, we talked about Blind Manor. We didn't talk about that fucking movie we just watched. Oh, yeah. Uh, Book of Blood. Book of Blood. It on was... was it on the Hulu? Yeah. It was on Hulu. It was like, it was like a Hulu original. Bloom House is released yeah. a bunch of movies for Halloween, and Tom has been nice enough to watch Be careful. them with me because <laughs> he doesn't typically like scary movies. That one almost there was a there's been a couple the last couple I've been like nope nope. This well, that is, that one nope. you actually picked because it was like it was, an anthology. it was an anthology. I love that like little here's a story here's a story here's some shit like yeah. I fucking love that I love that as a medium man. Which uh, I mean. One of my favorite Halloween movies is Trick or Treat, which is a big great one. Movie great, too. it's probably the goat of those I that like I've it. seen. Yeah. yeah, this one was good. It was good. It was, it was unexpected. It was like everything that happened. I was violent. Like, what? Yeah, it was crazy, but it was good. Yeah. It was good. If you haven't seen, you got the Hulu Book of Blood. There's a lot of good scary shit on there. We've seen so much other. Sh- we watched Nocturne. What's the other one we watched? The one with the people got murdered. Um, hmm. I just remember those. <laughs> but yeah my mom surprised me with um a shirt that i wanted from mm-hmm. the disney store which is it's a haunted mansion like luau style shirt it's how many so Dis- how many disney masks do you have now two. Oh, it seemed like more no mind. oh three there we go in, in two, 10 minutes you're like i have six no i have the my mom got me a halloween one that has like mickey pumpkins on it which i've gotten a lot of compliments are on whoa which you wouldn't expect 
like secret compliments on your mask. I just keep telling everybody, well, if we got to wear them, I'm at least going to do it. I'm going to kill it. In style. And then I have my Haunted Mansion mask. Yeah, that one's sick. That one's sick. That one's sick. And then she just got me a Christmas Disney one today. <laughs> She's like, they didn't have Thanksgiving one, so you're just going to have to Andrea's go mom is straight so Disney from crazy. Halloween to Christmas. Jeez. <laughs> like, okay. I can do that. Well, man, anything else? Any other any other things? Mm. Oh, what I was going to say was we – I don't know if we talked about our anniversary gifts on here that we gave to each other. Oh, no, I don't think we did. But I bought Tom a thing called the Adventure Challenge. Yeah, it's Again, super cool. not sponsored. And you, like – it gives you, like, 50 different date ideas, but you don't know what they are. You just have to scratch it off, and it gives you the idea. If we talked about this already, sorry. But it, before you scratch it off, it shows, like, how much money it'll cost – like, if you'll need a babysitter, if, like, oh, if you're going to be leaving the house, if you're going to be at home, and how long it takes. Yeah. And so we scratched off our first one, but we couldn't – it was it was to, to um, make a pie while one of <laughs> you is blindfolded and has to mix it all up together. Yeah. But we couldn't find pie crusts at the grocery we were at, so we ended up not being able to do it yet. <laughs> we were at we'll Target, keep... and they, could, they did not have And it comes with a cool crusts. little – the best part is it comes with a cool little camera that takes, like, instant pictures. I so, bought yeah. pie crusts today, by the way, so oh, we're doing it. Oh, it's going down. We're, we're going gonna, gonna to Rochambeau for who has to go blindfolded, though. Yeah, you try to act like – you said, it said, the, it said the least experienced That's cook. you. I do all the cooking. That's not true at all. And when do you ever bake? I've baked. I've been baked a lot more than you have. Okay. <laughs> Elation. Elation. <laughs> oh no. Let's tell some stories, man. Yeah. Okay. I think I go first. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this one is gonna be rough. I'm not gonna lie. Here we go. It's and been a minute since you did a rough one. I'm not gonna go in it where I don't really tell you what it is. I'm gonna give it to you up front because of what it is. It's a school shooting. Oh. So. That's a trigger warning. I'm glad that I'm going first because it's not a very happy story. But it's, you know, there's stories too. and Yeah, of course. You know. Yeah. So I'm just going to dive right into it. Yeah, let's go. So this happens in Chardon, Ohio, and it is the Chardon High School shooting. Okay. Okay. So Chardon High School was open in the morning before classes, and many students typically gathered in the cafeteria to get some breakfast. Others waited for their bus to classes at a related Auburn Career Center. Mm-hmm. It's in a vocational school yeah. that offered computer and like other classes. And Lake Academy, a regional school for at-risk students, referred for help with academic or behavioral issues. So these kids, you know, would come to this high school and then sure. they would either shuttle, they would go their own way. They would all go to the, the other yeah, okay. It's probably a big school, exactly. Which we had that at our high school, but it would, it, yeah. you just they could just walk to it. <laughs> okay, according to reports. A boy stood up in the cafeteria and began shooting at approximately 7.30 a.m. And he also had a knife. Their surveillance video showed a shooter, later identified as Thomas T.J. Lane, shooting four male students at one table with a handgun. Um, He wounded another. Fleeing the school, T.J. shot a female student, and he was chased out of the school by teacher and football coach Frank Hall. TJ was arrested by police outside the school near his car. Okay? Okay. That's the kind of overview. We're obviously going to get more into it. The one student, Nick Walsiak, was, I think he shot it, like was injured, and then was like trying to get away. Uh And TJ went up and shot him, I I believe, right in the neck um, before he, you know, was right out of the school. Five students were hospitalized. 
three died of their injuries within two days. And the several injured, Daniel Parmador, Russell King, and Demetrius Hewlin, sorry, were flown by helicopter to Metro Health Medical Center in Cleveland, Ohio. I guess it would have taken, it was like 31 miles away by if they yeah. drove. Yeah. Joy Rickers and Nick Walsiak were taken to local Hillcrest Hospital. And a sixth student, Nate Mueller, was injured by a bullet grazing his right ear and did not have to go to the hospital. Thank goodness. Yeah. But still. So, at noon on February 27th, 2012, Chardon Police Chief Tim McKenna announced in a news conference that one of the victims had died. A spokeswoman for Cleveland's Metro Health Medical Center identified him as 16-year-old Daniel Parmiter, a high school junior. He had been in the cafeteria to wait for his bus, just like all the other ones. He was going to the Auburn Career Center Vocational School, so not the one for troubled youth. Right. That's where he studied computer science. Um, And I have a little bit of just some background on the the victims that passed that I'm going to read. Okay. As I do that, because I feel like we should know about them. There's this podcast, podcast called Active Shooter Podcast, which... They do a thing that I can see why they would do it and why I also don't understand. They they leave out the shooter's name. They they make up a different name. Yeah. And they don't say who the actual, like. Because fuck them. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. And I I, I just feel like I'm just going to go ahead and say his name because he's a piece of shit. And I want everybody to know what a piece of shit he is. He really is a piece of shit, man. We'll get into it. So the first victim that I just talked about, Daniel Parmiter. Oh, I got this all this about the victim specifically from that podcast okay he was born september 9th 1995 and had big dreams of becoming a computer tech or a possible career in snowboarding he loved skiing and snowboarding with his friends teachers loved having him in their class he was said to be very respectful and quiet and very focused on his schoolwork he had an older brother and younger sister who he loved spending time with as well he enjoyed playing xbox and computer games and enjoyed going to a local restaurant for wing night with his friends. And he was said to be super fun to be around. Mm. Yeah. So at 12.42 a.m. the next day, Russell King Jr., 17 years old, was pronounced brain dead at Metro Health Fucking Medical hell, Center. Man. I know. This is it's rough. He was a junior who studied alternative energy technologies. He was oh. enrolled at both Chardon High School and the Auburn Career Center and was also waiting for his bus. His family said that his organs would be donated as he wished. He was born August 12, 1994. A lifelong resident of Chardon, Ohio, enjoyed his job at Amberwood Kennel, where he took care of the dogs and helped around the property. Man. Yeah, it said if there was a job to be done, Russell was the person to take care of it. He also worked part-time at Pinnacle Woods. I don't know what that is, but... He was an avid outdoorsman and loved doing anything and everything he could outside. He liked hunting, fishing, camping, and canoeing. He enjoyed being around his family as well. His dad actually passed away on the two-year anniversary of his death. Ugh. But he just, like, he did in died. his sleep. Yeah. But everybody who knew them said that he, he died from a broken heart. Sure, I would imagine. So I can't imagine. It's so young to yeah. die. A few weeks before the shooting, he told one of his friends that he wanted to start hanging out with TJ again. And said that they had used to be friends and had grown apart over the years. And, like, he felt sorry for him. So, and, like, like wanted, wanted to get to, back after yeah, 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 yeah. On February 28th, 2012, Demetrius Hewlin, the third student transferred to Metro Health, was reported to have died. His mother, Phyllis Ferguson, in an interview with ABC News, said of her son, he wasn't a morning person. This is so heartbreaking. 
and he was late for school. But that one day, he wasn't late. We were running a little late, but we weren't late enough. But it's okay. It's in God's hands. Let his will be done, uh, which is really sad. That's so sad. When questioned about what she would say to the assailant, she said she would forgive him because most school shooters did not know what they were doing. Wow. Yeah. So Demetrius was born March 8th, 1995 and lived in Chardon for 10 years. He just went by the name D. He had a brother and a sister and liked healthy living and bodybuilding. He went to the weight room at school at least five times a week and liked working out and spending time with his friends. He was trying really hard to get on the school's football team. And he liked playing video games, reading, listening to music. He donated his time to the Habitat for Humanity resale shop. Jeez. Good kids, all of them. Yeah. Dee's mom said that they donated his organs and that one of his organs actually ended up saving a child that was just days away from dying if they hadn't got a donor. That's crazy. I know. So I just wanted to highlight those boys that did not survive. 17-year-old Nick Walziak was shot several times in the arm, neck, cheek, and back. He's the one who ended up getting shot again in the neck, I think, or like, it, or like right whatever, in the, I think it was, or it was in the back because he ended up getting paralyzed Oof. from this. He was taken to Hillcrest Hospital. Joy Rickers, 18, was released from Hillcrest Hospital on February 28th. And then the other one was Nate Mueller who, you know, got hit with the ear but didn't yeah. have to be hospitalized. So after the shooting, students praised two teachers, Frank Hall and Joseph Ricci, as heroes. They expressed to them their courageous actions on Twitter Frank Hall charged at TJ, who was aiming the gun at him and actually, like, ran him out of the school. He was interviewed. That's so scary. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not a hero. I'm a coach and a a teacher. And this was just a horrible incident. And, you know, I don't want to be, like, claimed as some hero or whatever. Yeah. Teacher Joe Ricci had just started his math class when he heard shots and ordered his students to lock down. He actually heard moaning outside of his classroom, so he put on his bulletproof vest, which is so like sad Fucking that crazy we that already they have that, those. Yeah. yeah, he opened his door where he saw Nick Waltziak and dragged him into his classroom, where he administered first aid and kept him alive until paramedics could get there. Jeez. His Waltziak's family credits Ricci for saving their son's life, and a student described these teachers as quote two of the greatest leaders in our school. That's crazy. Yeah. So the shooter was Thomas Michael Lane III, which he went by Thomas Michael TJ, so he would go by TJ. Okay. He was born September 9th, 19, I'm sorry, September 19th, 1994. He was identified as the suspect late on February 27th by authorities. CBS News reported that law enforcement officials had surrounded a house belonging to Thomas M. Lane Jr., which was his father. Police also searched the home of TJ's Maternal grandparents, which he apparently spent a lot of time at, which I heard a couple different things that he might have potentially lived there because his parental, his parents were not good. They weren't together and it wasn't like it was not a good, you know, upbringing. His mom was an alcoholic. His mom and dad had been arrested many, many times. Bummer. Yeah. That's a fucking bummer. Yeah. Other properties owned by the Lane family were searched extensively, as well as a nearby forest, which neighbors said that the Lane children used for target practice. Oof. At the time of the shooting, TJ was taking classes as a sophomore at Lake Academy, the alternative school. The school served 55 students in February of 2012, and they were referred from public schools in the region because of academic or behavioral needs. Sure. 
According to student witnesses, Lane had a personal rivalry with Russell King, which was one of the victims. Okay. Witness late Nate Mueller said that King had recently started dating TJ's former girlfriend. Ooh. Others, do it. Do, I, you know, yeah. Other student witnesses said that TJ appeared to aim specifically at Russell that morning. And the student said that Russell had previously threatened to beat up TJ and that TJ had been taking uh, up on weight lifting to prepare to, to like, fight to get ready. him like Jeez. the year before but that's not heavily cited either so sure. it, it, and he later does say that he didn't know the victim so i don't know news agencies published experts from his facebook page or a facebook profile type called by a boy named tj lane yeah one entry in particular dated december 30th 2011 caught a lot of people's attention and I found it on an article called The Daily Beast. And okay. it's, it's long. I'm going to show you long. I'm only going to read a couple little excerpts of it. Because okay. it just kind of shows you, like, what the, this weird shit he was posting, like, a couple months before. Okay. It says, in a long time since the time of repent, the renaissance, in a quaint, lonely town sits a man with a frown. No job, no family, no crown. His luck had run out, lost and alone. The streets were his home. His thoughts would solely consist of why do we exist his only company to confide in him with a vermin in the street. Oof. Dark then, emo poetry yeah, shit. Yeah, and then a little way... And I don't know that he wrote this or if he, he it's somebody else's writing. Sure. But later on it says, The world is a sandbox for all the wretched sinners. They simply create what they want and make themselves the winners. But the true winner, he has nothing at all, ending the pain of waiting for that castle to fall. Oof. And then a little ways down it says, I'm on the lamb, but I ain't no sheep. I am death. And you have always been the sod. And then it ends with now feel death, not just mocking you, not just stalking you, but inside of you wriggle and writhe, wiggle and writhe. Sorry. Feel smaller beneath my might seizure in the pestilence. That is my uh, skate, skate, sky, sky, skate, sky, say that S C Y T H E scythe, scythe, scythe. There it is. There we go. Uh, And it ends with die. All of you golly so that's he's going through it he's going through something fine. that was december before yeah and it had been february so when lane was three his parents actually lost custody over him due to drug issues and yeah a friend of tj's described him as just a very normal teenage boy she told cnn that she was in complete shock another friend said that tj was regularly teased at school but students at Lake Academy denied that he had been bullied at all, and they described him as a friendly and nice but not very talkative person. Wow. So, and I, I, I heard a bunch of other, like, students were like, no, he, like, he had friends, like, and then he kind of went to, down this, like, emo path sure. and, like, maybe started to get a little bit more reclusive, but he had Edgy. friends. Yeah. After TJ's arrest, law enforcement determined that the gun had been purchased legally by his uncle and that he stole the handgun from his uncle Ugh. it was a ruger mk3 target uh, 22 caliber semi-automatic handgun okay this is a 22 on february 29th 2012 timothy grendel the juvenile court judge allowed the release of his juvenile records to the press which normally is kept sealed and stuff like this that's interesting yeah tj was arrested twice in december of 2009 the first time TJ restrained his uncle while his cousin, like, beat the crap out of him. Oh, no. Yeah. And the second case, he hit another boy in the face, which I think is what led him to being going to the... Um, the alternative school? Yeah. 
And to that second charge, TJ pled guilty to a count of disorderly conduct. Oof. And, yeah. Not good. It's interesting that the judge would release those records, mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah, I know. In the wake of the event, school district officials closed all Chardon schools on February 28th, and the school department provided counseling and scheduled a gradual return to the school for, you know, Yeah, because it's fucking traumatic as shit. Yeah. You know? The United Way set up the Chardon Healing Fund to help those traumatized by the shooting. And in the evening of the day following the attack, thousands of people attended a vigil at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Chardon, where a funeral mass was scheduled for the victim, Daniel Parmeter, to take place the following weekend. Okay. On March 2nd, 2012, the students returned to school. A student from another high school, her and her mother and a neighbor organized a line up at Chardon event on Facebook to uh-huh. welcome students back to the high school. It had a sign saying, I'll stand by you, referring to the song by the pretenders. I'll stand by you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. That's what that is, right? <laughs> students of Chardon High School and their parents were given a walkthrough of the school, and the senior class officers organized a procession for solidarity from Chardon Square to the school that morning. So, you know, they're coming together. Yeah. The cafeteria, this is kind of crazy to me, the, where the main was the main crime scene, had been repainted and reorganized, like, that quickly. Wow. And, just, to, just to make the sensory not yeah, as traumatic to Yeah, for be sure. There. And the table where most of the victims had been sitting was covered with flowers and stuffed animals. Oh, wow. Yeah. On February 28th, 2012, at 3.50 p.m., a detention hearing was held at County Juvenile Court in Chardon. According to L.A. Times... In the United States, teenage suspects under the age of 18 are considered juveniles and treated as such unless and until prosecutors decide to charge them as adults, obviously. Judge Tim Grindel began the proceeding by asking the media not to take photographs of the defendant until the court determined whether or not he'd be tried as an adult. Okay. Um, After the hearing, prosecutors' argument for continuing the detention and receiving no objection, the judge ruled that detention at the detention center and... Ravenna, Ohio, should continue for 15 days. That's still the juvenile yeah. place. After the hearing, Prosecutor Dave Joyce indicated that he would attempt to try TJ as an adult and file three counts of aggravated murder, among other charges. There you go. Which, yeah. I. It's yeah. just one of those things, man. At you don't the, shoot up a school. No. At the hearing, the prosecutor said that TJ admitted to shooting 10 rounds of ammunition during the incident. And TJ told police that he did not know the victims and that they were selected randomly. But, you know, as other students said, that they didn't think that that was the case. Sure, yeah. As of March 1st, 2012, TJ's defense had filed no motions. And so on March 1st, 2012, prosecutors formally charged Lane with three counts of aggravated murder, two counts of aggravated attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. Good. Yeah. TJ did not enter a plea when he was arraigned on March 6th. Oh, so he didn't even plead. They not, weren't ready for a plea not yet. Not right then. No, two additional defense attorneys were assigned to the case in March, and the judge postponed the decision as to whether to try Lane as an adult until after a mental competency evaluation was completed. Sure. So, the competency hearing was held on May second, twenty twelve, and testimony was given by psychi- psychiatric uh, or psychiatrist Philip Resnick, who testified that Lane was mentally ill. Back on February 8th, 2013, they order, the court ordered the evaluation to see if he was competent to stand trial. Right. 
And on February 26, 2013, he was found competent. He actually had two competency evalu- competency that word's sounding weird now, <laughs> evaluations during the court hearings. And during the first one, he had said that he heard voices, he had anxiety, and he was scared of losing his mind. Okay. He also claimed that as when he was younger, he was molested. Oof. But during the second exam, he told them that he lied about all of it and that he didn't hear voices and that he, during his first exam, he was just trying to appear that he had schizophrenia because he thought, quote, it wouldn't hurt to appear to have schizophrenia. Okay. Yeah. Seems like a plan. Seems like a good plan. In June, the prosecutor prosecutor determined to try TJ as an adult. He was indicted on the six charges that were filed earlier in March, which was the three counts of aggravated murder, two counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. On June 8th, he pleaded not guilty to those charges. His bail was set at U.S. $1 million. Good. Yeah, and he was scheduled to be transferred from the juvenile detention center to the county jail for adults on June 18th. Yeah, he's fucked. Yeah. On February 26, 2013, TJ Lane pleaded guilty to the charges for which he had been indicted. And because he did that and decided that he they were he, he at least wasn't going to put the family through a trial, they took yeah. the death penalty off the table. Okay. But on March 19th, 2013, he was sentenced to three life sentences in prison without the possibility wow. of parole. Yeah. Some of the things that, that were said by the victims' families because they were able to give, you know, their impact Testimony. speeches and stuff. I got most of this from ideastream.org. Dina Parmiter, who was her son was Danny, who was killed, called Lane pathetic and a monster. I mean, these people, I've listened to the testimony, like the people or the yeah. st- statements, and they went in on him. And I'm so glad that they did. She says, I hope you have a cold, rough, unkind, harsh prison life with monsters like yourself. I want you to endure years and years of pain and abuse, which, in my opinion, is not hard Get enough. Him. Good. <laughs> yeah. Also in the courtroom was Nick Walsiak, who was the one who was injured was and is now in a, yeah, paraplegic. in a wheelchair. I don't know exactly where he was paralyzed, yeah. but I know he's in a wheelchair. His mother, Holly, asked the judge not to offer TJ the possibility of parole. She said, quote, Judge Fury, please don't ever let him on the streets. He is dangerous and has caused way too much pain. And the judge said that this was a planned attack in advance. He said, loaded the gun the night before the shooting, took it together with a spare, fully loaded magazine, and a knife for backup, concealed them all as a part of his criminal course of conduct. These juveniles were ambushed. This was not an impulsive course of conduct. It was the studied effort of somebody bent on killing. So There it is. Outside of the courthouse, his sister, TJ's sister, Sadie, spoke which I found surprising. Yeah, for but sure. But she offered condolences to the families, obviously, and said that she was in the cafeteria when TJ started shooting God. and that she fled to the teacher's lounge. And she didn't even know it was her brother until she like overheard really? somebody saying it was TJ. Jesus. She said, sitting in that room in shock, as we all comforted one another, I heard a police officer outside the window say that they suspected TJ Lane. I shook and cried and denied that all of this could be true. Oh my god, I can't even fucking I know, imagine. Oh, you like there's a shooting and then you realize it's your brother? Oh my god. Yeah. This part is just why I think he it just shows you what a piece of shit he is and how he has no remorse. This is something that's always stuck out to me. Okay. After entering the courtroom for the sentencing hearing, TJ removed his dress shirt. He's sitting there like sitting next to his attorney uh-huh. and he starts to unbutton his dress shirt. And he reveals a white t-shirt with the handwritten word killer across it. 
Jesus, what the fuck? Yeah, he wrote it and then wore it under the shirt to take it off to be in front while they were giving their impact statements and all what of this. What the fuck, dude? And the whole time they were giving like their state their impact statements, he smiled and smirked at them during the hearing. He didn't give a fuck. Jesus. But what's even worse is after being sentenced, TJ was able to give a statement if he wanted oh to. Oh my god. Do you know what this is? Yes. You do? Yes. So his attorney, you can see, is just because I've watched the videos like say anything dude like just please don't because anything you say if you appeal he says it, some heinous he says shit. Some, yeah so he looks at all of the families and the victims in the courtman and says this hand that pulled the trigger that killed your sons now masturbates to the memory fuck all of you and then give them all the middle finger god what a piece of shit absolute piece of shit that's something also, when he shot, the, when he did the actual shooting, he also had a shirt on that said killer. Killer? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? So I guess he, like, you know, remade it remade himself. Remade it, yeah. Which is so gross. Gross, dude. What a fucking asshole. I know. Especially it's crazy mm-hmm. that right then the judge should have been like, funny story, death penalty's back yeah. on the table, Yeah, oh, bitch. just kidding. You, you're, you just put them through everything that they didn't need to be put through yeah. right then. So, no, we're putting that back on the table. Fucking monster, so dude. So gross. Ugh. And he and he's so smug. His face. He's so. I was wondering as you were reading that. I was like, I wonder if this is the same because I don't know the story attached to that. But I, I've but seen that. that. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. The families of the three deceased students ended up filing wrongful death suits against T.J. Lane's family, his parents Thomas and Sarah, his maternal grandparents Jack Nolan, Nolan and his wife, and his paternal uncle Daniel Lane. The final settlement brought the total to nearly two point seven million dollars. So all three families got $890,000 each. Jesus. They also had to pay 40% of that to their attorneys. That's a lot. That's a lot. On the second That is essentially the attorneys are like, you want some money? We want some money too. Yeah. That's a lot. How about a little 60-40? That's gross. Yeah, it's gross. On the second anniversary. That's obviously gross. Yeah. On the second anniversary of the shooting, February 27th, 2014, the families of the three deceased students plus that of Nick Walziak as plaintiff, filed a wrongful death suit against the Chardon School District and Lake Academy Alternative School. Damn. But I think that ended up getting dropped, and then it like ended up getting brought up again, and then uh, a judge declined to hear the case, and it was returned to lower court for resolution. So nothing really came of that. Okay. So TJ Lane did not get was not a model prison uh, inmate. He was an asshole. He got in trouble for tons of shit after he went in there for getting tattoos. He wouldn't shower. Like I heard that he was like one known as like one of the smelliest inmates in there. Gross. Yeah, and um, he would go to to school, but he wouldn't he wouldn't complete his schoolwork and was sure. just really unruly. On my crime li- library is where I get this information because when he was twenty. On September 9th. Okay, I don't I don't I don't know what year. Shoot. I'll have to look that up. He broke out of Allen Correctional Institute in Lima, Ohio. Jesus. And remained on the loose until he was captured six hours later. He was also found with a pitchfork that officers didn't know where he got, but he, he didn't end up trying to like use it as a weapon or anything. That's kinda <laughs> weird. Prison You're officials I know personally met with the victims' families to explain how he was able to escape the prison. The report from the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction said TJ and the two other inmates, Lindsey Bruce and Clifford Opperud, fashioned their own ladder over several months with materials inside a crawl space located adjacent to the recreation yard. Jeez. The door was padlocked, but the inmates were able to break in anyway. On September 9th, they used the ladder to get 
on top of a building near the prison entrance around 7.40 p.m. and then jumped 15 feet down to the ground to escape through a soybean field. that's far. Yeah. Inmate Bruce was arrested almost immediately, but TJ was on the run for almost six hours until he was arrested at 1.20 a.m. in a wooded area near the prison. The other guy who escaped was a convicted robber and burglar. He was arrested at 4.22 a.m. by officers who tracked him with a police dog. The prison was uh, was upgraded with padlocks and more secure locks. Razor wire was added to the top of the building the inmates used to escape. And the area where the prisoners built their ladder was closed. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. The report found that the inmates had unimpeded access to the maintenance area on their way to and from the recreation yard. Uh They were in like a low, medium security prison. And I believe they tried to move him to a higher security prison after that. Oh, really? I would think so. Jesus. So lastly, I just want to end on like a positive note from one of the families. This was from a WKYC article in 2018. The community vowed to never forget Demetrius Hewlin, Russell King, and Danny Parmiter, which are, you know, the victims that lost their lives, which are the names we should be remembering, not the shooters. A park was even created in their uh, memory. And Dina, Danny's mom, and her, her family created the Danny Parmiter Memorial Fund. And after around when this happened, and like when this article was out, which was 2018, it said that it had, by 2013, it had provided 139 in scholarship money for 20 stu- 24 students who wanted to study technology. 139 what? 1,000. Oh, nice. Sorry. What uh, his mom, Danny's mom said, I've always saw Danny in the, in them. They would say something he had said. They're into computers like he was, like the students that Mm -hmm. got funded from that. And uh, in 2018, they had been doing, they were on their sixth annual Danny Parmiter Memorial Fund raffle. Wow. um, Which I'm sure they're probably still continuing to do. That's awesome. And that is the terrible story of the story of the Chardon High School shooting and the terrible shooter whose name we're not gonna repeat again yeah fuck that guy so sorry that was really depressing but i think i just think it's such a crazy ugh. yeah that was terrible yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, you can give us something a little better tough act to follow gang i know it's hard to think you there can't you can't make really jokes when you're covering shit like that yeah it's not wise this is why i've been avoiding true crime recently uh-huh. <laughs> doing other stories yeah man well i got a story for you okay all right so it's my turn. I'm glad that you um, were going second because I didn't want to end on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, better start with it. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking spooky season. Yes. I'm going to be spooky in my own way. Okay. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about some of the most haunted... Why are you looking at me like that? Bars and restaurants in the dang U.S. of A. Okay. I don't know if you guys remember restaurants. They were like these places you would go. Oh, and yeah. They would like cook your food, like bring in your food. Wow. You'd like order a drink. They'd like bring it to you. Man. You can do that now. It's just like in like a styrofoam box. And you got to <laughs> a mask. Oh, the days. Yeah. And this was actually going to be considerably longer because when I started doing <laughs> the research for this, I was like, yo, there's a really fucking haunted place in Kentucky. There's a really haunted bar, <laughs> nightclub called Bobby Mackey's Music World. <laughs> And fucking Andrea already covered it. <laughs> and my dumb ass forgot. So half of my research is for... No- I was like... Because I got long-winded on two of these. And I was like, oh, I'll just finish with Bobby Mackey's. It'll be cool. And then uh, Andrea comes in and sees my shit. And, she's, and I'm like... I didn't like, like see what you were doing. But I saw. I said, I just saw one word. And you said, what? I said, Bobby Mackey. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, 
oh wait is that what you're recovering and he's like yeah i was like i already did that fuck he's like no you didn't i was like i swear i did a whole episode this is on the it. reason we need a list <laughs> this is the reason we need a list it was like literally it was literally 10 episodes ago <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what to say for myself man uh I, that's been in my notebook my pickle rick notebook for like that's months. so funny anyway <laughs> We're going to start talking about some other, yes. not as many now. That's okay. Um, Mine was kind of long. Anyway, I'm going to tell so. you the story of two very haunted places. <laughs> <laughs> the first of which is called the Tonic Room in Chicago. Okay. Guests of the bar. Can- oh, we should, our friends in Chicago, you yeah. let us know. What up, what up, what up? Yeah. I wonder if they have been there. I don't know. Just let us know. Guests of the bar could easily tell you about the weird mists that show up in their group shots and selfies Mm. or the ghostly gangster they swear they see at the bar. Ooh. But nothing will scare you more than the Tonic Room's actual history. Members of the Irish Northside Gang frequented the the bar in the 1920s before clearing out to make way for the American chapter of the Golden Dawn. Okay. Okay, so for those unaware, the Golden Dawn is a secret society – that's big on ancient Egyptian symbols and also human sacrifice. Oh, good. If you've ever heard of Aleister Crowley. No. Okay, well, he was... he was. Have I? I don't know. I don't, I've don't. i always wanted to cover Aleister Crowley. Uh, English dude, mountaineer. I feel like uh, you've mentioned pagan, him before. Super occultist, mm-hmm. super big occultist. He's up there with like... I want to say his name is Jim Parsons. Jeff Parsons. Jim Parsons. Uh, his um, part, it's Parsons. Isn't Jim Parsons the guy, Sheldon? Yeah, from there's the Big another Bang guy. Theory? There was another guy who actually was an astrophysicist who got like sucked up into the occult and Aleister Crowley, and it's this whole fucking crazy Whoa. thing. Anyways, Aleister Crowley was a member of the Golden Dawn, and this place became a hub for the Golden Dawn. Okay. Anyway, a girl who went there with her father to one of these Golden Dawn meetings in the 30s swears that she witnessed a ritualistic killing in the tonic room basement. Oh, shit. So after a while, the cult, the the numbers dwindled. There was like this whole uh, hierarchy battle about the the leadership of the Golden Dawn, and it was all kind of, kind of like Aleister Crowley kind of fucked up the Golden Dawn and did his own thing. Whoa. Or, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I'll, I'll probably half-ass cover it one day. <laughs> uh, this dude named Frederick de Arshaga turned this space into an occult store in the 60s. He claimed to be a male witch. Because, of course, he did. Wow. This place is the fourth Men most... Men can be witches, too. Yeah. Bruja. Brujo. Brujo. Brujo warlocks. Warlocks. Uh, so this... Yeah, that's also what they're called. Male witches warlocks. Huh. Which is a way cooler name than they deserve. Like, we can just do warlock. Witches and warlocks? Yeah. Is that what people say? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Uh, so this place is known as the fourth most haunted bar in Illinois. And I found... The fourth most haunted in Illinois? The, there's three more more there's haunted three than more, it? And we're not talking about any of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I found this on the Tonic Room's website. Starting in January of 1969, what is now the Tonic Room was known as El Sabarum. Frederick de Archega was the owner of the shop, which catered to those interested in various facets of the occult. De Archega considered himself to be a Pontifus Maximus. What is that? I don't know, but it's in the Sabian religious order and within the confines of the store, which sold amulets, herbs, incense, goat hooves, voodoo beads, togas, jet stones to absorb bad spells, and ceremonial daggers was his temple of Sabah. Oh. 
Okay, wow. Okay, in the book Popular Witchcraft, Straight from the Witch's Mouth, University of Wisconsin Press, 2004 author Jack Critcher interviewed De Archega at El Sabarum on September 20th, 1969. Okay. According to the interview, De Archega considered himself to be a hereditary witch, receiving his gifts from his mother who oversaw the Sabian Order from a local at 321 Sheffield. He also told Fritcher that he was bisexual and said, which modern, when wit, (laughs) there's a regular tongue twister. (laughs) When modern witch hunters go out looking for witches or warlocks or whatever you want to call them, ask them a couple of questions. Most witches are full of crap. (laughs) Make them put it on the line. Ask them if they're bisexual. What? If they're not, it's a giveaway. He told a Chicago Tribune reporter that he had opened the shop in an effort to continue his mother's work after her death. Oh, so it's his shop. It's okay, his oh, shop. okay, okay, okay. So okay. it was like an occultist place, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a place to a gang, then the occultist, then this like diet occultist witch guy, and he turned it into a store of the occult. Yeah. And this is the same location? Same spot. Yeah, okay. Same spot where this bar yeah. is. Wow. Yeah. Where that where that girl said she saw somebody get yeah. ritualistically killed. Yeah. Yeah. Of course and, this place is fucking haunted. Yeah, 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 yeah. A 1970 Chicago tri- Tribune article written by Mary Daniels described Archega's temple as being in the back of the store and containing Gratian pillars, red gauzy veils, cushions, and cooing pigeons. Cooing pigeons? Yeah. Gratian? Yeah, I guess uh, to Sabah, the god Sabah, which I don't know shit about. He chose the name El Sabarum because he said that it meant of many gods. He considered himself to be of the old religion and that Christians, Jews, and Muslims merely practiced degenerated versions of the old religion. He even viewed Satanists as mere degenerates of the Catholic faith. De Archaga did not see a reason to delineate between black or white witches and the idea that there was good or bad in magic. I want to know what the difference between a black and a white witch is. Like, not skin color, obviously. For not these because, days, motherfucker, you better not. Because, like, in Hocus Pocus, she's, like, when she puts the salt all around, um, Allison, she puts the salt all yeah, around Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes, oh, what a clever little white witch. Yeah, I guess it's just like good magic, bad magic, healing magic, hurting magic. Yeah. Magic that heals, magic that hurts. Any witches that listen to us, let us know. Let us know. What's up? We interested. However, he did make somewhat of an ominous comment during Fritcher's interview when he stated, in my store, I cease to sell certain things when another shop begins to handle the item. I do this out of the respect to the other person. I thank the gods that the other people have done this in turn for me. Some, however, purposely imitate what I do because they've gotten in on the bandwagon. Yeah, I was going to say that they're yeah. starting to sell shit. If you had it first. Yeah, <laughs> they have no respect. They usually don't know what they're doing, and they usually close up quite suddenly and quite mysteriously, if you know what I mean. After the release of the movie The Exorcist on December 26, 1973, De Archega told a Tribune reporter that he was being plagued by an adverse public image he reported that Christians have tried to exercise the store out of the neighborhood. Whoa. People will cross themselves passing by the store or will even cross the street to avoid passing too close. He told the reporter that dogs would actually stop and walk would stop and walk carefully around the blue penta- pentacles that he had painted on the sidewalk outside of the store. What? And that dead cats have been thrown through <gasps> his front window. Ew, that's not okay. No. Not at all. 
Sometime after that article was published in 1974, De Archega left the Sabian Order, changed his name to Orin, after he converted to Santeria and started worshipping the god Avatala. Okay. Strangely enough, this seems quite fitting for an establishment named the Tonic Room, since according to Yorbian mythical lore, Obatala was actually the creator of human beings, and human beings were created with flaws because Obatala was drunk on plum wine when he <laughs> created us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So, that's the first one. Wow. Yeah, buddy. And next we're going to talk we're going to talk about Stone's Public House in Ashland, Massachusetts. Okay. Stone's Public House takes its name from the original owner John Stone, who is a very bad man, according to one paranormal expert. And you said these are all bars and restaurants, right? Bars and restaurants. There was going to be a it was going to be w- one longer that was going <laughs> to be a lot more elaborated. <clears throat> But I had not did my research the way I should have and am covering the same shit twice. (laughs) Okay. After speaking with six to seven spirits who allegedly lived at the bar, ghost whisperer Ralph Bebo claimed they told him Stone killed a boarder who won big in a card game in 1845. He then forced a few witnesses to help him bury the guy in the basement and made them all promise to take their secrets to the grave. Man, don't bury it in your own place, though. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? But they must have felt guilty because they never went to their graves. Instead, they float around the bar, making occasional ruckuses and silently judging your drink order. <laughs> okay. Okay, I found this from the public house, the Stone Public House website. This okay. is what they have to say about their haunted establishment. Okay, so they they like are full on like yeah. Our yeah, place they is embrace it. They embrace just this like shit. third turn brewery up here in our third turn. Yeah, they, they, that was that's a much smaller scope to it. They just found like. That little writing. Well, or the whatever, people right? who who they we were there before them were like, "Yo, it's haunted." Those are like a little girl that's gonna be here, yeah. And like, and they like left messages and stuff. And they're like, "She likes us." Yeah, it's so weird. So weird. Anyway, because it's an old church. Yeah, Third it's an old brewery. Old church not, yeah. in our neighborhood in Louisville. Building commenced on Stone's Public House in 1832 by John Stone, who called his business the Railroad House. John was a farmer and a captain in the militia, but he was also a savvy businessman, owning most of the land in the center of what was then called Unionville. When he heard that the railroad was to be built through the center of town on his own land, he decided to build a hotel right alongside the tracks. Hmm. The railroad house property also included a barn and a cow yard and later a home for his family opened on September 20th, 1834. I feel like you don't want cows near a railroad, do you? If they're in a, you know, if they're, they got enough space. He owned a shitload of land. I bet they had enough space. It opened to an enthusiastic crowd of 300 people. Wow. John operated the railroad house for less than two years before leasing it to a long list of innkeepers. John died in 1858. It opened on uh, September 20th, 1834. So it was around for a good little while before he died. But he only ran it for two years before he kind of like gave it up to to other people. Mm -hmm. But he still owned the property. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And W.A. Scott bought the business in 1868. Over the years, the the building fell into disrepair and disrepute. The man credited with helping to return the building to its former glory is Leonard Cappy Forner, who bought the building in 1976. 
1976. 1976. So it was like, was it, was it nothing for a long time? I guess it was, it was kind of dilapidated for a while. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who bought the building in 1966. Cappy is also the man credited with first exploring the paranormal side of the building. This is from a newspaper article in 1984. Okay. Bizarre happenings at John Stone's Inn. Began seven years ago when Foreigner bought the old inn with doors that will not remain bolted and lights that turn themselves on. A number of psychics and mystics poured through the 152-year-old inn sniffing out spirits after Foreigner went public about strange events in the inn five years ago. Okay. While Foreigner said the stories of each expert varied wildly, they all had detected one thing in common. When I brought them to the upstairs function room... They all felt the strangest feelings in that back half of the room. He said, every single one said the same thing in that upstairs room. Ooh. That's what made a believer out of me. That's creepy. That's stupid creepy. All the psychics perceived more than one spirit, mostly sullen male phantoms, Forner said. Last week, psychic Lee Sonnenfeld had the same peculiar sensation. A drunkard named Bert Phillips may have died at the inn during the 1800s, she said. Now Philip's spirit refuses to leave the inn because it enjoys the atmosphere there. Wow. Wow. Whoever the spirit is, assistant manager Butch Adams said he won't be caught dead at the inn alone at night. One night while finishing floors in the building, Adams said he became scared. Very scared. For no apparent reason. Heebie-jeebies. The heebie-jeebs. A handful of bird seed fell through the holes in the ceiling. What? Yeah. Rattling to the floor where he was working. No. According to Foreigner, bartenders are constantly telling of water taps that turn themselves on, and patrons have reported being tapped on the shoulder only to turn around to find no one behind them. Spooky. Very spooky. Also from 1984, an article about Ralph Abibo, a professional hypnotist and founder of Echo, educating concerning a higher order, who visited the inn. After several sessions, Bebo has finally been able to unearth a ghastly tale that has kept between six and seven spirits roaming around the inn for nearly 140 years. Dang. After speaking to several of the spirits, including a chamber name made sit named Sadie, Bebo said that John Stone accidentally, and that's the guy that built the spot, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, accidentally killed a New York border, Michael, after he accused a visitor of cheating in an upstairs card game that had netted him $3,000. Shit. The year was reportedly 1845. Bebo said six... $3,000? That'd be so much money! Buckets. You'd be made. Bebo said six or seven of the persons who witnessed the murder who helped Stone bury the body in the basement were bound together in secrecy to the owner, even in the spirit world. Is that the... Stone was the guy that... Yeah, no, yeah, okay. He killed him and he was like, y'all are going to help me get rid of this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the spirit world. Uh, in one videotaped session in which Stone reluctantly entered the body of Terry Pendleton, which is like a guy who was with Bebo, uh, Stone angrily told the crowd watching the session to get out of here. I want you off my premises. Entered the body? Enter. Okay, so here's what happened. Bebo's in there and they're videotaping. They're doing their ghost shit. And Stone... The guy, the ghost, uh-huh. entered this oh. guy, Echo oh. member, supposedly. Terry Pendleton, supposedly, and Stone angrily told, or Pendleton, told the crowd watching the session to get out of here. I want you off my premises. Wow. Bebo's Maybe. theory is so convincing to Foreigner that he is allowing Bebo to dig up the basement in search of the phantom body. Ooh. I know we'll find a skeleton, Bebo said. 
It may take a couple more sessions to figure it all out, but we'll find it. And that's the story of two haunted places. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so they don't know. It was never said if they dug it up and found it or not? No, they never, they never found it. <gasps> up to now, they've never found it. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys are interested, Robert Randall Bobby Mackey <laughs> is a country singer whose career has spanned 40 years. His musical style can be described to the loyal, like, kind of like uh, Merle Haggard. Are you just going to touch on it a little bit? No. No. <laughs> Go listen just... to episode 49. <laughs> I'm sure Andrea did a great job. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. Those were both still really good. Thanks, man. It's interesting. Jeez. The idea of, like, a haunted bar restaurant, like, just something that you just go to to, like, yeah. Grab a drink and then and there's eat a it. fucking ghost. Yeah, it's creepy. Spook spooky. Yeah, I want to find Man, it. if I had known about Bobby Mac, I would have covered like three other ones. My bad, y'all. I'm going to try to cook out some more spooky content for Halloween. Um, we st- this is still an hour long episode. I yeah. think we're good. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Yeah, good job. Thanks. Interesting. Sorry, mine was really depressing. That's fine. But, you know, all the stories got to get covered at some point, right? Yeah, and, you know, we don't ever do this show to make light of things like that. It's more just no, to, to raise not. awareness. And if and if you're if you're battling with anything or you know people in, in – in, it's hard times right now. It's hard times for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you need anybody to talk to, certainly reach out to me and Andrea. Absolutely. Our email is wedrinkandwenowthingspodcast at gmail.com. We would, we're happy to talk to you just as, like, homies. Too. Y'all are yeah. our homies. There's only like 80 y'all, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have your own stories that you want to send to us to tell on the podcast, we're going to try and yeah, figure out like a together. thing to do for that. We would love your stories. I don't care how minimum or, you know, how big or small they are. It doesn't have to be sure. something super elaborate. If you just like had something like tap you in the middle of the night i don't just tell us that's cool i don't know i want to hear it <laughs> hopefully it was a ghost yeah oh. <laughs> and if not still hit us up we will help you <laughs> anyway man uh thank you all so much for listening yeah leave us a five out of five star review please not three out of five you turkeys they mean the world to us they really do uh and tell your friends and uh email suggestions about stuff you want to hear because that's the reason we do this is because you're listening so i sure. want to talk about the stuff you want to hear so well said you know All right, guys. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Clinkies. Clinkies. All right, ham sandwich. Bye. Bye.